man to man Combat hand to hand, horns locked Ready for the last stand, elbow drops, kicks fade bang If I connect you, levitate, better settle mate Lights out, knocked out by the heavyweight Hi, it's Toby from Heavyweight MMA Today with Quicksand BJ Bland from CKB Gym, man Welcome and good to see you, man Hey, Toby, good to see you too, bro Bro, as I just mentioned, you're sitting there in the in the CKB shop at the moment. You mentioned you live there, bro. Yeah, bro. Yeah, I, I stay at the gym. Um, I got a wife and a, a young baby that back home. Um, they live like five hours away. That's but in Hawke's no, Bay. Like, you mentioned right, Hawke's Bay. Uh, Taranaki, bro. I, Taranaki. I, did, I lived in Hawke's Bay for a few years here, but they live in Taranaki, where we're originally from. Ah, um, okay. Yeah, yeah but, so I just come up, stay at the gym, and live and train. Man, been there and done that when I was a young fellow. I lived at the gym quite a lot, man. It's kind of cool, actually, because you're so close to work, right? <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah, it's a good lifestyle. You just literally do get to eat, sleep, train, recover. Do you ever get up in the middle of the night and have a train when you feel pumped? Nah, the the schedule here is that full, bro. Like, come night time, I don't want to look at anything MMA-related. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine, bro. That's the life of a professional fighter, right? Now, bro, yeah, just looking at your record, 26 fights, 16 wins. Um, the last couple of years, you've only had a one fight per year for the last three years, although they've been good ones. You had a good, good couple of wins, a couple of you had a couple of sub sub wins in a row, right? And one points win. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's a bit of a slow schedule, right? But that's all probably due to COVID, I imagine. Yeah, yep. COVID and then um also, just being at this gym, bro, with like such a strong reputation, it's very hard to get fights. So even before the the pandemic hit, it was like it was a tough ask to try and get people that are willing to fight people from this gym, just in general. That's a tough one, man. I saw you had a couple of fights on uh, on different shows: XFC, Brace, Hex, Eternal, Shuriken. Um, you travelled to Australia and fought a couple of times, right? Yep, yep. My last last few fights before before COVID come were, were in Australia. I saw that fight with uh, with Callan Potter. That was a great fight, man. A bit of a war to the final bell, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, that was cool to be a part, like be a part of. Like um, when you first start fighting, that's sort of what you you picture it being. You know, you're just in these bloodbath wars and just not backing down. And yeah, it was pretty cool. I love the elbows and that in the last round, man. Dropping those nice elbows look good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can be like a little bit uh, petty, I guess. So he cut me. So I just wanted to sort of. Trying to return the favor. <laughs> Even the score. That's it, man. Hey, I wanted to have a little chat with you about your background, man. I, I heard that you started kickboxing at 14. Had you done anything before that or, was the, or that was the first step into martial arts? Nah, done nothing uh, martial arts related before that. Bro, just played like rugby, like basically every sort of Kiwi kid growing up, Kiwi young fella, just played rugby right up until sort of my 20s. Yep. And, yeah, just started kickboxing at 14. So what drew you into that man? Was just a gym nearby or, or what someone took you there or what was the what was the driving factor? Well, so growing up, uh, there was an old lady who lived next door to us and her son-in-law, he was like a, a, a good kickboxer, I think. He had like a few Australasian titles, fought um, Ian Jacobs and that. So like fought a high, at a high level. So I was always, always sort of interested in it. And then when I was like 13, yeah, 12 or 13, me and my mate were at like a, local senior club rugby game watching and then we walked past walked home there's like a skate park on the way home and a few kids like from the skate park come and like stood over us and took my weights my mate's hoodie and sweatshirt and just from there i was like oh, i better learn to sort of stick up for myself and learn how to throw some hands i guess so did you was that a straight kickboxing was it like uh what were the sort of styles back then man was it tie boxing or it was like a full kickboxing with 
uh, without the knees and elbows and stuff? Or what was it? No, nah, it was just when like Thai boxing was started starting to come in. So like um, the first show I fought on was like modified Thai rule. So full knees, just no elbows. And then the main event was a full, a full Muay Thai fight. I seen that and like, yeah, that sort of blew my mind. Just guys kind of throwing elbows at each other. That's it. And then how did you progress through from the, um, I saw you had a few Muay Thai fights. How did you progress through, through to doing MMA? Uh, so I, I, I like, I loved Muay Thai, bro. That was like my big passion. And then I went to university in a city called Palmerston North, which is like two hours away from where I live. It was the closest university. And then the, um, the club I was training at there, the club I was training Muay Thai were also sort of branching into MMA. Like for me, yeah, Muay Thai was awesome because as far as the rule set, went like at that time I thought that was like the the most full contact you could get with limited rules I'd never really heard of MMA and then when I saw saw like guys fighting on the ground and just just going everywhere I was just like drawn to it I just wanted to do that instead that's it man and when you when you kicked off in the beginning and and as you went along learning the more were you the type of guy that just really couldn't get out of the gym or you're you're like uh just casually training or you're full on from the start Nah, nah, I lived in the gym, bro. Like, I even now, like, just hang out with family and training is all I really enjoy doing. So, yeah, I, I was every every spare minute I could get. Like, at uni, I would have spent probably twice as much time in the gym as I did it then in, in class. Did you finish off uni, bro? Yeah, it took me, like, I think, like, four and a half years to do a three-year degree because I was sort of more, more interested in going to the gym and stuff. But, yeah, eventually got it ticked away. What was that, man? What do you what do you study out of interest? I uh, just bachelor in sport and exercise, so it's basically tied in with training and stuff anyway. Super relative, right? And you you also yeah. mentioned something about doing some trades. Have you got any trade like uh, as well? So I'm like I'm one year short of finishing my building apprenticeship. So yeah, to be honest, I don't think I'll go back and do it. I didn't really enjoy it, but it was like just a respectable job and a good way to earn a crust, I guess. And but my passion's always been with like fighting. It's just something to do. No, that's good, man. But it's good to have those extra skills. You never know what you might need. And if you want to build something yourself, you're going to have those skills as well, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, hopefully. I was, like, pretty terrible at building, to be <laughs> fair. Like, I didn't take to it very naturally. Like, as soon as before, like, COVID hit, like, when I signed my first PFL contract, the first thing I did was just give my tools away. I was like, fuck, I, I never want to see these things again. <laughs> it's hard work, right, compared to, compared to <laughs> professional prize fighting. Bro. Yeah. Hey bro, um, can you talk about the the gyms you've kind of gone through on your way to CKB? Because you started at some smaller gyms, right? And now you moved into the big big dog of the New Zealand gyms. Yeah, bro. So I started off just like it was just a tiny, small like uh, community club in uh, Eltham, just a kickboxing club. So Eltham's like a tiny town, we're all like working class town. But um, yeah, just got like a good foundation and good work ethic from there. And then I went to um. Palmerston North for uni, and there's a, a gym there. It's called the Fight Shop that I trained at, um, branched into MMA. And then for some reason, I ended up in Hawke's Bay for a few years and uh, trained at a few gyms there. And then, like, uh, quite, I, like, met up with these two guys. One was my strength coach. One was my jiu-jitsu coach. And they've, like, uh, ended up being, like, my best mates. And sort of, I still, like, like very close with them. And, uh, yeah, one's, like, still, I still consider him my jiu-jitsu coach now. And then I started sort of getting up there, well, not up there, but like getting a few wins and fighting like high level guys. So decided to like go overseas and, and go to Tiger and that and train there. Met a lot of like the boys that are at City now. Um, 
at Tiger. So I went there once. It was like great training. And then um, the boys at City weren't there the next time in the training. I didn't find as good. So I just sort of like concluded that probably the best training to be doing is here. Went here and been here for like the last four or five years. Yeah, man. Hey, when you went to when you went to Thailand, was that a long stint or just a short visit? Uh, it was like, nah, just like a fight camp, so like a couple of months, like yeah. eight weeks sort of thing. How do you find it over there, man? Bit of a change of scenery? Yeah, no, nah, it was cool because it was the first time ever that I've been able to just like focus full, completely on fighting. So, yeah, I loved it. It was good. There was like a good group of guys, good variety of training partners, easy lifestyle. Was that back when Brad and Kai and, and the other guys, Dan and those guys were over there? Or? Yeah, bro. Yeah. So Brad was the striking coach there. Um, Dan was sort of like four or five. Oh, no, nah, maybe less three or four fights deep in his UFC contract. He was sort of the, he took me under his wing over there and sort of showed me the ropes a bit and that. So, yeah. I've been following a few of those guys for a while, man. I'm actually in Macau, China, and a few of them fought on the early days of their pro career over here. So Kai and, and, uh, and, Dan and a couple of the other boys from from CKB were over here fighting. Quite interesting. Okay, was that was that on the Legends promotion? Or? Correct, correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, it's actually where I work. <laughs> oh, sweet. Yeah, man. Um, so just wanted to talk about the CKB. Now you're there. Like I said, it's one of the biggest gyms now in New Zealand. Uh, very renowned internationally, obviously, with with a couple of champions coming out of there. Um, you're training with heaps of the beasts, I imagine Shane Young and all these guys over there. Um. Who who are your sort of key training partners in that group? Um, I'd say the the most well known guys would be uh, Dan Dan Hooker and Brad Riddell were sort of all the same weight, and we like yeah we train a lot together. And then there's like there's just a heap of guys that people probably aren't that familiar with, but are like real real good good fighters too, like Kieran Joblin. Um, you fought Kieran Joblin, right? You beat him before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We fought like a, a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's a good fighter. Like, I'm pretty really sure I met really him in, in Singapore once, man. I think he was fighting on that. Was it, it was a part of one FC, like a, a weird sort of contender type thing. Uh, was it, was that, that was Kieran, wasn't it? Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it was called like the warrior series, one warrior series. Yeah. It was real weird. I stuck over there for a look because someone helped me to have a look and it was in this like a little studio with hardly any people watching, but there was like uh Misha Tate and, and that was, that was kind of uh, yeah. 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 Kind of cool. I actually met him there as well. Yeah, bro. So I dropped into the gym, my uh, CKB gym once I came down uh, to actually was in touch with Dan back then and just uh, wanted to come watch him train, have a look at the gym, man. It's, a, it's an impressive gym, eh? Like you, you were saying there's a lot of good fighters there. Like I happened upon uh, a aspiring class and I was just training in the background watching and that. And, and man, depth of talent, right? Like lots of people. There was like, I don't know, it was a big crowd of people. I'd say I'd have a guess around 40 people doing aspiring class. Everyone looked nice and tight, man. Yeah. It's a good group to train with, huh? Yeah, bro, yeah, the sparring classes go off. Like, they sort of had to split them now just for, like, a, just so we have a bit of room. We still, like, spar together, like, a, a few rounds on that, but then the MMA guys branch off a bit. But, yeah, there, there's some incredible depth here, bro. Like, there's probably, yeah, some of the best fighters in the world that you've never heard of uh, in, the, in these walls. Yeah, man. And what else, sort of, what'd you say, the strengths of CKB, bro, like, uh, that gym? I've heard a couple of people talking about, like, there's a real good support system between you guys and everything. Yeah, bro. Yeah, it's like the the team sort of takes priority over over individuals. So it's just like a real good down to earth culture. Um, all the boys are like they they really back each other, and so like it, it kind of trickles down. Like you guy, you got a guy like Izzy who's just like 
you know, the best in the world and he has like all the confidence in that. But then his confidence sort of branches, like it, it all flows down. And then you can like see what he's doing and you're doing the sort of same thing. And you're like, man, like he's good. Well, why can't I be good? And then it just, yeah, it just grows from there. Yeah. I was listening to a Dan interview uh, just today or yesterday. And I heard him say it a couple of times, but he talks about when people say about, oh, CKB is going to move to wherever. He said he had to think about it and he's saying it's a big group of people because it's not only, you know, that group, it's the people that are supporting your training partners, but then the people that are supporting them and the people that are supporting them. It's like a, a massive family when you look how it branches out into the community and that, yeah? Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. It's a huge community. Um, and yeah, it's just massive support. It's, it's, it's awesome, uh, like just an awesome team to be a part of. That's it, and uh, and I've been following Eugene for a while. I just I like him. He seems like a pretty uh, you know, cerebral guy. Like thinks a lot, yeah. And um, yeah. I heard you saying that you you find yourself that you you class yourself as a prize fighter rather than like a spiritual martial arts type of guy. But I feel like the the CKB gym in a way is a kind of like a seems to have a pretty strong sort of ethics in that man from from Eugene. Like they they follow some codes that are kind of very martial arts related, right? Yeah, I, I wouldn't even. Yeah, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't even classify it as like martial arts related. That's just like good old school values. Like you yeah. could be a martial artist or a builder or a rugby player or a policeman. It's just like there's just like good old fashioned values that like they follow. And Eugene is like, yeah, he he loves them. So yeah, yeah, that's a point, man. Hey, um, I wanted to chat with you. I mean, obviously your uh your path hasn't been the easiest path, man. You know, being an MMA fighter or a prize fighter is not not so easy, right? I just want to know what are the difficulties in that that you've that you felt through your through your career. Um, like when I first started, bro, there was it just like what there was no pathway. Like when I I first started, like there was no future in it. We just sort of did it because uh, we loved it, you know. But now there there's like young fella starting can see. That, that there's a way forward, you know, guys like Izzy and Dan and they've set the blueprint, but there's no, like, there's no real system. So, like, you're kind of, you, you have this gym and that, but, like, you're on your own. A lot of, like, you have to provide for yourself. You have, you know, it's all done on your own back where, like, a lot of sort of other sports, if, if you show a bit of promise or potential from a young age, there's systems in place where, like, you can kind of focus on that and and people help you take care of the other areas of your life where if you want to do MMA, like it's, it's up to you. Like you gotta, you gotta sink or swim with it. And then you, it must be hard. Like with like example, now you got one fight a year, that's not enough to live on. Right. So, so that's a challenge, right? Really. It's got to be a bit of a, a passion thing rather. You said you're a prize fighter, but it can't just be about the prize because it, if it was just about the prize, you'd be going to do another job. Right. Yeah, no, that's true. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Like, like I've worked, like, now it's sort of the only time I haven't worked. I've always, like, had part-time jobs, like, between training, well, full-time jobs, and then when I come up to Auckland, just part-time jobs before training. So, like, I was a landscaper for a couple of years, so I'd finish my 11 a.m., like, we'd finish training at 11 a.m., and I'd have to be on site with a shovel shovel in hand at 12, you know? So, yeah, it's not an easy life. And you mentioned before that you one of your nicknames was BJ. Sorry, but it's a bad stylistic matchup land. Um, <laughs> after we're doing all these eight weeks of fight camps and then having people pull out, that must be a massive frustration, right? That nothing's set in concrete in MMA. Yeah, nah, not not until you're there. Like it can happen the night before. Um, it definitely is frustrating. Um, particularly like like how we talk about like the code and the ethics of this gym, like 
like Eugene's a guy, if you commit to a fight, you're like, you're, you're making that fight. It doesn't matter whether you stub your toe, you have a runny nose, you, you've torn your, the ligaments in your knee. Like you, you, you've made that commitment. You've made that promise. Like you, you turn up and then you see kind of like other people at other gyms don't quite live by that same motto. You know, they, any kind of reason and they'll uh, just pull out or postpone and that can get frustrating. Yeah, man, and just the nature of your sport, man. It's like such a dangerous sport. The, the the pressure you're putting on your body day in, day out, like you said, the schedule is crazy, right? So it's very easy yeah. for people actually to even seriously injure themselves uh, along the way. And, of course, some people may pull out easily. Some people may get serious injuries, right, very easily. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, man, you've got a – the reason I you came up on my radar again was because of uh, – I see you have a big fight coming up on March 18th on uh, PFL fighting the Bosnian barn cat, Demir Firhat Begovic. I don't know how, if that's how you say the name, but that's the way I'm saying it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I have no idea. I, I just say the barn cat. <laughs> the barn cat, that's the one. Man, I was expecting him to talk like a Bosnian, but he sounds very, very American when he talks, right? I had a few listen to his, his speak, his talking and that, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I think he's like growing up in America. In America, like he's basically, yeah, he's essentially an American guy with Bosnian uh, heritage, I presume. So, so how are you feeling about that, man? That was on the the PFL Challenger series, right? How are you feeling about getting into that? Yeah, good, bro. Yeah, I'm stoked. Like it's been like a long time coming, sort of like from from originally being in the PFL, like in in, in the um, season to the COVID hitting, and then hoping to get in the next season, not not making the cut, and then sort of just waiting to hear back now and to finally have something like in set in stone. It's it's cool. That's great, man. When I look across the the lightweight contenders, you seem to be the most experienced as, as in terms of the amounts of fights. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, definitely. Um, I think maybe even in the whole like Challenger series, I've had sort of the most fights. Like, and, yeah, and how probably, you, sorry, bro. Uh, what do you? What was that, sir? So I was going to say, Demir, man. I had a look at a few of his fights only because he's fighting you, man. I didn't know of him otherwise. And uh, he seems like a pretty decent opponent with pretty good all-round sort of skills, right? Like he lands submissions, his stand-up's quite good. Uh, he's got a pretty strong uh, body kick and obviously has a few different subs that you see him using his fights. Have you watched his fights at all? Yeah, bro. Yeah, I've had a good look at uh, some of the footage. He just seems like a, yeah, like a real good, solid, tidy fighter, good, clean stand-up, throws like long and straight, moves his head well. Um, good, like kind of scrambly grappling. Um, yeah, he's a good fighter. And what do you think you'll be your go against him, man? Of course, you don't want to give away your whole game plan, but what's your sort of ideas on him? You think he got his measure? Yeah, like I, I think he's a good, good, yeah, very good tidy fighter. But I think like I, well, I, I feel I might just be a little bit better everywhere. And I think like physically, I think I might be a little bit stronger and be able to like keep up a higher pace and it'll, it'll just sort of get to him. Like there's no, no particular area where I like look at him so well, I have to like try and avoid this this aspect of the fight. Like I think we can sort of go anywhere and it'll be good and competitive. Yeah, man, your your experience and your timeline of competing and fighting is so much longer than his as well, right? Like he's had a few fights here and there, 2016, 17, 19, 20, 21, but yeah, kind of sparse amount of fighting. Uh, although he's fought a couple of good guys. I saw he fought, fought that Louis Penner who was in uh in um in the UFC before, right? Yeah, yeah, he, he, like I say, he's just, he's a good fighter, good, 
good tidy guy, but I think what what I can bring to the table should just just be a bit too much for him. Yeah, from from what I see, he likes to be uh if he's controlling the pace, if he's sitting on the outside and choosing his shots, he seems quite strong. But I think a pressure fighter such as yourself should be able to shut down his game to an extent. That's my thoughts anyway. Yeah, yeah, you have the same sort of feeling. And so on the training, obviously it's getting pretty close now, man. How is the training going? Yeah, good. It's 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 full on. Like uh, the body's the body feels it, uh, the mind can feel it, but that's good. Like it, it's tough, but like I'm at the happiest when I'm in the middle of a training camp. Like life's life's pretty simple. You just get up, train. That's it. Repeat. Awesome. And what's your sort of breakdown generally for the week of training? Like how do you work it? How many sessions a day, etc. Oh, bro. Um, yeah, at least like two sessions a day till Sunday. Have Sunday off, so yeah, two or three sessions a day up until Sunday. So we have like some lighter sessions mixed with mixed in with some like real heavy sessions. So like the session coming up today is like a real heavy one. So it's like twelve six minute rounds of wrestling and and air bike. But yeah, Jesus, you get a good variety in. A mortal like me will die after 12, 12 sixes of wrestling, bro. <laughs> you guys are oh, amazing. Tough, bro. Especially <laughs> in summer, like the gym, the gym gets like a sauna. Yeah, that's it, man. And um, how does how is it in the the training? Obviously, eight weeks of going hard at least, and you're you're away from your family and that. How do you cope with that? Um, I yeah, that's tough, bro. But I just like I'll go home every second weekend. I'll just catch like if you book in early enough, you can get cheap flights. So it's just a matter of like when I'm going home, making sure I like really make good use of the time, you know, sort of spend it with my young fellow and my wife and yeah, just, just cherish it and make, make use of what limited time I do get with them. That's it, man. And then back to your training, man, obviously uh, everyone does. I mean, there's a lot of exposure now to what people do in MMA and it's usually the breakdown of, um, you know, strength and conditioning and skill training and that you do, you, you, all you guys there, I'd imagine will be doing a strength and conditioning program as well as your, your different skill sets, et cetera. Right. Yep. Yep. Particularly in, uh, in fight camps, so like eight weeks out, we have a good like structured conditioning, uh, schedule we follow, which is like, yeah, it's tough, but it's effective. Seen bits and pieces online of that, uh, that your famous spider workout, man, it looks pretty intense. Although I haven't seen a lot of it, just bits and pieces, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I first came to the gym, like, and said, like, I just hated them. But that's just something like you learn to, you learn to love. Like, you just know that it's going to be a rough fifteen or twenty-five minutes, depending how many rounds you're doing. You just like learn to embrace it, and I sort of like look forward to it now. Um, that's trying to like challenge myself, and yeah. yeah. And you know it's going to end, right? It's a short. I mean, it's a. It's, it'll seem like a long time we're there, but it's going to end, right? You're going to get through it. You've done it before, so it's a, a matter of just pushing yourself, taking yourself to that point of exhaustion, right? Right. Yeah, 100%, bro. Like, you can handle anything for 15 minutes. That's it. And you guys would know that more than anyone, man. Hey, what about on the other side of, uh, like, just trying to, uh, you know, rest and recover? What do you feel about that? And what what sort of things do you do? Like ice bars, sleep, and all that sort of thing. What are your feelings on it? Um, Like, now I'm 30 or over 30, I definitely, like, put a lot of emphasis on it. Before, I was just like, ah, nah, who needs it? But, um. We the team works with like a, a guy, well, a lot of members of the team work with the guy Dave Wood. Uh, oh, yeah. he's like a breathing breathing specialist and uh, um yeah, does uh, uh, ice baths and uh you know mobility and that and he he's been a huge tool helping the guys. So yeah, I try and like spend at least like half an hour every day 
either like between training, so like at lunchtime and then after our morning session or after our evening session, just sort of just doing some form of recovery to help help prepare for the next session. So whether it be like recovery breathing or a bit of stretching or you know ice bath, any of that sort of stuff. Yeah, man, I did an interview with Dave. Actually, I'm very uh, interested in oh, yeah? His work. Yeah, basically working to help you guys maintain your composure through breathing in uncomfortable environment, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely like a big part of what he does. And then the other stuff was like using using breathing as a tool too to kind of switch from that like upregulated, tense sort of phase to in your day to like just learning to like slow things down and breathe and and let your body recover and take a minute. He's got the most detailed ideas and that on, or knowledge of breathing that I've heard before, right? Like I've heard some people touch on it, but it was it's cool to hear his ideas on it, especially those sort of gears of breathing and that and how, yeah, how you can control it and use it in, a, potentially use it in a fight or another sporting sort of endeavor. Yeah, right. Yeah, he goes he goes deep. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's, that's interesting stuff. Yeah, pretty, a, little bit too, a little bit too complex for me to understand fully, but uh, I'm sure you guys are getting a grip on it by now. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't necessarily understand all of it i just like you set out what to do dave and i'll do it that's it that's it man so um in an ideal world for 2022 man what would be your year what would you be hoping to happen uh i have this fight i won this fight i do enough to sort of impress the guys at the pfl and then i get a contract to the into the season and then come december i'm a millionaire <laughs> That's so, it, man. So, so the season, the season starts uh, when and then goes until uh, December, is it? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually not too sure of the scheduling this year. It seems to be changing, but yeah, that's normally what it. Uh, sorry, actually, last year it finished a bit earlier because of COVID, but yeah, I think if it comes back to normal, it'll be yeah a December finish. Yep. Awesome, man. Well, um, yeah, man. Well, I think I've finished all the questions that I had. Um, want to wish you all the best for your fight coming up with the Bosnian Barncat man. I hope you do well, and I hope uh, you you get to that in a nice condition, injury free, and everything. And then and then best of luck for the rest of the year and get towards that million dollars, bro. I really hope you can get there. Sweet, bro. Cheers, Toby. All right, man. Thanks so much for your time, eh?